Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I am your host, Duncan McPherson. On this podcast, our objective is always to enable our audience, these are high caliber working fee-for-service professionals, to always be working on their business and on themselves, personally and professionally. And to that end, on today's podcast, I had a great conversation with Levi McMillan in Dallas, Texas. He heads up CFO for Life, and this is the consummate lifelong planner. And not just in terms of organic growth and raising the bar for his clients and strategic partners, but also running a business like a business. You don't want to miss this. If you like this podcast, please like and share and tell your colleagues. And if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear uh, on this podcast in the future, just let us know. Thanks for listening. Levi McMillan. Great to see you. Thank you very much for being on the Always On podcast. I think if I remember correctly, you and I crossed paths about five years ago. You're in Dallas. I think I met you in a meeting with First Trust. I know you're good friends with Chris Jepson. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. It was, uh, I, I believe it was either uh, five or six years ago. You came to our office and uh, Jefferson and you and in the first trust team uh, sat down with our team and we've been crushing it ever since. That was uh, it was a great initial meeting and still looking forward to getting out on the golf course with you know I played with Jefferson a lot and and uh, looking forward to uh, getting some strokes from you. Yeah, okay. I think we're going the other way. I'm in Canada, so I'll take you on the ski hill. We'll probably be equal on the pickleball court, but I think you and Jefferson have me on the golf course, so. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. um, but again, I look back at when I first met you and your team, incredible first impression. And then it was classic, right? I said to myself, this is a team that is strapped to a rocket ship. There's nothing wrong. Nothing's broken. Nothing needs to be fixed. And yet you saw the merit in us working together, which still to this day astounds me. The people who need us the least like us the most. And I, I appreciate that a great deal. Well, thanks for those kind words. You know, um, I, I learned a long time ago that you surround yourself with people that are either uh, better than you or the, or the same, and, and you have a lot of success. And so having a coach and having uh, a team like Pareto it, in bringing that accountability to constant progress is really what we look for in a partner. And, and uh, it was the perfect timing. Yeah, that's excellent. And, and to your point about constant improvement and just tying it into golf, I'll never forget when I saw Justin Rose present and he talked about constant improvement. And here was a guy when I saw him was, I think, ranked number one or in the top three. I, I can't recall exactly, but he made such a powerful yet simplistic statement. He said, I don't try to find one thing to improve by 10%. I try to find 10 things that I can improve on by 1%. And that accretive composite helps make sure I don't plateau. That was so powerful. And as an analogy, I think that perfectly uh, embodies what you guys try to accomplish at CFO for Life. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a good comment. We, Duncan, just celebrated 23 years. My business partner and I had this vision and had this dream 23 years ago in 98. 
And it, it, it's really so amazing to kind of see it all come together and, you know, what we built and, and 20 years ago, especially in this business, uh, it was, it was very dominated by brokers and, and the wirehouses. And we really felt like the, the whole fiduciary model and that approach was, was really the future. And uh, just, you know, having a, the, the vision to create what I like to call a complete family office, a team focused on, you know, helping a client with not just their financial, but their life goals is really kind of the vision that we've had. And, and uh, I can't believe 20 plus years have passed. You know, I, I'm just as excited, actually more excited about where we're headed, what we're going to do, the team that we have in place. I mean, it's just the future so exciting with what's going on in the industry. And yeah, it's just, it's exciting time. Well, and that's a perfect uh, segue for me. And, and back to your point about time. Yeah, I vividly remember Y2K. And here we are now 22 years have come and gone. And something tells me the next 22 are probably going to go by even faster. But I think one of the ways you slow life down a little bit is savor the wins and keep finding ways to achieve professional contrast and relevance and fee worthiness to clients. And one of the first things I realized when I was in your office is clearly when you took me on the tour, I could tell you had a bench that was very deep with very authentic, capable, credentialed professionals who they were bright and very lively. There was no, nobody, it didn't feel like anybody was there having a job. They had a role and a responsibility, but they really enjoyed being there. But then, I mean, we would say that that's typically expected, but a good foundation to build on. But then I started realizing that one of the things you figured out early was branding. You branded your practice, depersonalized it. So it wasn't a collection of names. It spoke to something that was dynamic and future pacing, that was intriguing. CFO for life, complete family office, right? The the family's CFO, that's very, very powerful. And then you kept going because you also branded the process. And so I'm assuming a big part of your growth and your referability organically as it relates to growth, comes from the fact that the clients don't just rave about your people. They speak persuasively about your practice and your process. Is that safe to say? Yes, that's that's right on point with what our uh, focus has been from day one. I mean, the whole vision is to have a legacy firm and it not be personality driven and not be dependent on one person. Truly, our process, which we we call plan for life, is really what separates us and, and what makes us so unique. You know, when you look at this industry and you look at the issues with uh, so many people or so many firms not having a succession plan, we've really worked very hard the last eight to 10 years in building the bench strength and everything that, that you need to have a legacy firm. And, and, and to kind of go a step further, we've literally got five decades of employees and, and it's really allocated. And, and like, so my, 
partner, Brian, he's in his early 60s. So we have a handful of uh, team members in their 60s. I turned 50 in December. So I'm still saying I'm in the 40s, but you know, I turned 50 this year. Then we've got sliver of in 40s, 30s, and 20s. So we've got five decades. We've got an incredible middle management team and, and just everyone buying into the, it's like a collegiate culture. I mean, there is a path here for everyone at CFO for Life to be able to make a career for life and to have a path on what they want to do and so that they can accomplish their personal goals and objectives, just like we do for our clients. So the process, everything we do is process driven, you know, and it, and it really creates an environment to take all the puzzle pieces and assemble them and monitor and change and adapt and live life with clients. Well, and I'm sure that has a big impact on why you have second and third generation clients. And that bookends with the dynamic nature of CFO for life and plan for life is because what you've engaged with your clients is an understanding of the distinction between a financial plan and financial planning. And financial planning involves a lot of future pacing, helping a client understand where it's all going. And it amazes me. And I'm sure this describes some of your clients. Like I see advisors, we'll talk about their ideal clients. And so the advisor will get granular and talk about, let's say, a $5 million client. And we have this amazing conversation about what makes them ideal beyond the assets and things like that. But then I'll ask this very important question. I say, what percentage of that $5 million constitutes their overall net worth, their entire worth? It's not uncommon that an advisor with 23 years of mileage and experience will have a 20-year client that has $5 million of investable assets, and that represents 15% of their net worth. They've got a business, they've got other assets, properties, et cetera, and then family dynamics. And the whole premise here is make sure the client understands where this is going, that on the other side, after their liquidity event, after they hit their number, they don't feel they've outgrown you. You are their CFO for life. They don't outgrow the process or the practice. They grow into the process and the practice that's supported by those generational bench strength people. So you guys figured that out. I'm curious, when did that occur to you? Was it just sort of uh, accidentally or was it deliberate? You know, it, it really was from the onset. I mean, when we looked at 20 plus years ago, this industry, and we looked at wealthy families, business owners, typically what we saw is that a lot of them had a fragmented service group. They may have a CPA, they may have an insurance agent, a banker, attorney, and, and, and many different consultants, but there was no true quarterback. And we really felt like the most trusted advisor is the CPA and the CFP. So we said, let's assemble a team uh, of CPA, CFPs, and let's truly be that quarterback and not only handle their investments, their estate planning, their legacy planning, charitable planning, the, the whole thing and live life with them along the way. So we can, you know, our, our whole process on plan for life is understanding what are your goals and objectives and important to you today? 
a year from now, five years from now, ultimately, what what is your legacy and what does that look like? And so that's from the onset, Duncan, the vision that, that we had and, and truly being that advisor for life for the client. Yeah, I love that. Now, uh, I have a question for you because you fit into that category from my perspective as being the advisor of the future, which means so many things, right? Stewardship, not salesmanship just decorum, a difference between client service and a client experience, and just this perpetual focus on planning to, among other things, achieve plateau avoidance. I'm curious because I didn't know you then, but is it safe to say that in 08, you came out of that? It was revealing and you came out of that as a team better than you went in? Absolutely. I mean, there, there's not just OA, but then, you know, you look back in the 20 years and in anyone that's built a business or, or created a business, there's going to be lots of ups and downs and good times and bad times. And, and really, you find out really what you're made of when you go through adversity. I mean, you know, it, it's exciting to win and, and, and do that, but adversity can be a great blessing. And really, when you're a true advisor and an advocate for and a partner for a client is during those tough times. And that's actually when we thrive in, in those moments. You know, so many people, I think, just let fear cripple them and, and crush them. And they, they, they don't want to deal with difficult discussions or scenarios. But that's what we're geared for is being there in that moment and guiding them and keeping the client focused on their long-term objectives versus short-term noise or little distractions to derail them. And so I, I, we take great pride in, as a team in really embracing difficult moments like that and being a counselor and, and helping clients navigate those waters. It's interesting you say that. Back in the uh, early 90s, I was fortunate enough to be handed a book called The Seasons of Life by Jim Rohn. And he basically said the same thing. I mean, embrace the seasons of life. When you're in the autumn harvest, reap, but just know that winter follows autumn and then spring follows winter. And he went so deep into the analogy of just letting all of that serve you, not hurt you. And it's, it's very, very true. We're, we're in the midst of writing this next book, The Blue Square Method, and I was so tempted to put in this quote again because I put it in a couple of other books. It's so good, and that is that circumstances don't make the man. They reveal him, and, and that's, in my view, such a powerful distinction about volatility, uncertainty, force majeures like we've uh, experienced in the last little while. A customized podcast can add credibility and efficiency to your communication efforts. Sifting good prospects from the mass of suspects, staying top of mind with strategic partners, and activating more advocacy from existing clients can be achieved with a turnkey approach. Learn more at proudmouth.com. The best place to strengthen a client relationship is in the very place where you manage that relationship. BlueSquareToolkit.com has harnessed the best practices of Pareto Systems 
and brought them to life in our easy to use system that is accessible on both your phone and your desktop. Simple technology to uncomplicate your life by creating clarity, accountability, and consistency for your entire team. Build stronger client relationships by tracking and archiving essential information on what matters in your client's life and make yourself indispensable and more referable in the process. Create a more consistent client experience and grow your business with the Blue Square Toolkit. Visit bluesquaretoolkit.com to get your 14-day free trial today. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And of course, you know, in the spirit of there's always a bull market somewhere, Right. When there's volatility, you're at your highest level of referability and at the highest level in terms of opportunity for even deeper engagement with your clients. And I know you've seen that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, in, as you know, there's always winners and there's losers, right? And so it's, it's being fluid and flexible. And always, again, I, I said this earlier, you know, just always focused on progress, not perfection, just navigating waters. I mean, whether it's a, a client or your own children or your grandchildren, I mean, you're constantly in a position to teach and help. And we get to do that every day. So it, it's it's awesome that this is, it's not a job. It, it's, it's an unbelievable blessing that we get to serve and help families every day in, in difficult times like this and see the impact. Uh, I mean, there, there's not a better compliment or situation whenever you have a client say, man, I just, that, that they love how we've helped them or, or guide them. And it's just an, an awesome experience. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting, would have been a month or so ago, I had a conversation with Jepson and we were talking about preparation and innovation and uh, the analogy of the Tour de France came up. And when you see these cyclists, they all look pretty comparable on the flats. But you see who's put in the work and who's the most prepared when they hit the mountains mm -hmm. and who pulls away because that's revealing. But what's interesting is the innovation can often kick in when there's a tailwind. You're not just riding the inertia. You're, you're actually tweaking even when you've got the wind at your back. And there's a great video of a cyclist when he crested the mountain, everybody's going downhill and pedaling frantically. He decides, and his nickname now is Superman, he decides to just lay out flat on his bike and go, expending no effort and blows by everybody, including the motorcycle that was leading the peloton. It was such a powerful uh, symbol on, again, that dynamic between preparation and innovation. Which, Levi, brings me to a very important pivot that you guys made, and I'm curious as to when this occurred. For, the, for many years, you were a classic B2C enterprise, business-to-client, organic growth enterprise. Not a lot of marketing, trying to convince strangers to become clients. You just kept working with people who were convinced. They did convincing. The fish jumped in the boat. You had this incredible community of clients growing. And then a light bulb went off for you. You realized we have intellectual property and process 
that we can put in the hands of other financial professionals. So then you added a B2B, a business-to-business dynamic, where you are now in a position to attract other advisors to draft in behind your process or to acquire businesses from advisors who were thinking about uh, easing out. When did that occur to you? Yeah, Duncan, that was, I would say, roughly about 10 years ago. We felt like we had something really special that we had put a a lot of time and energy in and and really built, assembled a team that was truly focused on helping the client, like a lot of firms do, you know, accomplish your goals and objectives. But what we said is, you know what, we've got a platform and a synergy and a process And it's very difficult to build this. And there's a lot of advisors that, Mm -hmm. first of all, don't want to build it, don't have the time, don't have the bench strength, don't have a true succession plan. So we said, we can now provide to like-minded advisors a place where they can come and we can take on all the, what I like to say, commodity pieces of the business, asset management, compliance financial planning. So that now, just like what we do for our clients and our tagline is we give them more time so they can do what they want to do. Now we can do that same thing for advisors so that they can truly spend time with clients, building deeper relationships, growing their business and have basically a team surrounding them to help them. And that's that's what we've done. And, and, and so we not only built a process for plan for life, but internally we call it advisor for life. So we've assembled a whole team, a process to support like-minded advisors so that they can build uh, their practice. And ultimately when they're ready to ride out into the sunset, we've got a, a perfect succession plan built because we've got a whole team where we're five deep for that advisor. So they're, they may want to not deal with investment management or the planning piece. And so they have a whole team assembled to make that happen. So I, that's about 10 years ago. Man, that, you, you talk about an exciting journey to, uh, to build that. And, it, and it's just, it's, it's pretty much right in line with what we do for clients. So it was a pretty seamless transition to do that. And it, it, it's, it's been very successful. Well, you were ahead of your time because that really, in our world, started to become evident as being a tremendous vein of gold about five years ago. So, But you remind me of the e-myth, Michael Gerber's book, where he talked about the distinction between being a good baker and running a thriving bakery. Very different. One's got technical ability. One's an entrepreneur who runs the business like a business. I know two dentists who started about the same time, both very skilled dentists. One has a small, modest practice. And the other one has, I mean, it's, it's like a palace. It's just unbelievable. And it runs like a Swiss watch. Both have comparable technical ability. And maybe the one with the modest practice is content with that. But I can see the difference, the light in the eyes between the two. One seems to have a really massive sense of purpose and sense of fulfillment. And the other one kind of just seems like there's there's an element 
of a plateau. So, I mean, we all live by the rules we set, but it's a tremendous opportunity fueled by demography, fueled by unmet needs. The one thing that we see in teams like yours is you give an advisor an opportunity to outsource all the things that are commoditized, all the minutiae. I mean, even to the fact where they can get out of the asset management business per se. So you think of an advisor works 45 hours a week, 15 hours managing money, 15 hours managing a business, 15 hours managing their clients. Managing money has to be process-driven, but it is commoditized. If they outsource that to you, outsource some of the reactive aspects of practice management, adopt your way, and then go deeper into their client relationships and unlocks an amazing level of growth. And you've seen that happen in terms of the advisors who have been drawn to you either to acquire and ease out or to stick around, right? Absolutely. And and to add on to that, the whole thing with a service business is figuring out how to scale it. And so everything, yeah. every decision that we make is, is it scalable? Is, uh, you know, what's the process? And I mean, it, it's super exciting when, when you think about people and getting people in the right seat. Well, an advisor, everyone has a gift. And so if you can create a uh, venue or a platform where people that whatever their gift is, they can spend 85% of their time doing that and then surround them with other people to take some of the commodities and, and at, you know, pieces out of, out of the equation for them. Organic growth just happens. And, you know, we are, we are an organic growth machine and, and it's to sit down with an advisor and say, listen, you plug and play here. You can have double digit growth year after year all day long. And we've proven it, you know, not only for our overall firm and, and even at the size that you continue to grow, you can still continue that double digit growth with the right processes and in the right uh, mentality behind it. And with the right advisor. That's correct. Right. There's got to be a good fit. So I know you don't pretend to be all things to all people with your clients. You have a fit process. There's got to be an alignment of interests. You know, it's interesting. You get to a point like you and no matter how scalable you are, you can still be very, very, I guess, picky, selective. Uh, a lot of advisors have adopted AAA, but they've even gone one step further now. Now it's AAA plus. Mm -hmm. So they're a AAA client plus, and the plus is an acronym, people like us, right? So it's an extension on the attitudinal compatibility. It just never feels like work, right? So you apply the same mindset with the advisors. It's not about just come on board. It's got to be a good fit. And so I'm curious, like we, our mindset is PSP, PSP. So the fit with an advisor on a B2B level with you it's got to be a philosophical alignment of interest. You got to see the world the same way. It's got to be a strategic alignment to the point where the advisor is absolutely convinced they're doing their clients a disservice by not doing this, right? And then, of course, the practical is economically, it's accretive. One plus one equals three. There's lift for everybody. There's lift for clients. There's lift for the advisors. 
And of course, you're monetizing on your B2B scalable model. Is that kind of the mindset you apply when you're when you're talking to advisors that approach you? Absolutely. And to just go a step further internally, we we function like this. We focus on we feel like everyone needs us, but we're going to make the choice to work with people who deserve us. And you know, we we win. We give our heart and soul. We are very passionate. And just like a fit process for clients, uh, you know, I, I learned a long time ago, life's too short to work with jerks. And so uh, we want our competition to be dealing with, with, with those types of people. So we really, when we sit down with a prospective client or an advisor, we shocker have a process, which uh, we call the fit process. And we go through and truly just try to understand, you know, what they're about you know, what, what's important to them. And not only like, like question this direct, like how can you make CFO for life better? How can you make CFO for life better? And then we can share how we can make uh, your life better. And we go through this to ultimately get to one plus one equals three. It's, it's vital. We, we don't look at anything like a transaction. It's a partnership. And so you've got to have the discipline to do that work up front. And it ultimately will result in huge success if you're, if you're disciplined and you take the time to make sure you have a right fit. I mean, it, it's whether it's a team, a new, a new team member, a new advisor, a new client, you have to be consistent with that process in anything you do. Well, and that's got to lead to a complete avoidance of any buyer's remorse or anticlimax once the dust has settled and, and that transition has happened because we've seen people switch firms or hook their wagons up to others. And it was an overpromise, underdeliver. The grass wasn't greener and it was just so much work. And when it was all said and done, wasn't an outcome. But when you apply that type of intention and you're that methodical and process driven and not pressing, trying to convince anybody to make a decision, people come to their own conclusions. So I know we've talked about this before. There are so many advisors who are thinking, okay, I'm three to five years out, maybe less, maybe a little more. I don't really have a continuity and succession plan. My clients have continuity and succession issues, so I've got to get it together. Many advisors now, their clients are asking them the question, what happens to me if you're not here? So advisors have to really start planning for this. But at the same time, I mean, so many people are saying there's there's more buyers than sellers. I, I, I want to disrupt that and just say that it's not a transaction. It's where the alignment of interest is based on PSP. Where's the philosophical, strategic, and practical fit? Yes, there's a liquidity event going to happen, but the clients have to be in good hands. And, and I know you've seen this, advisors who think that they're going to exit after they go through the fit process and they do the transition and the impact on their clients and their team is so incredible, they're rejuvenated and they say, hey, you know what, at a minimum, I want to be a consultant and stay on board for a while, or I want to stay for a couple of years and really enjoy this, uh, this last window of my career. I guess my call to action is if I'm speaking to you as an advisor, and if nothing else, you just want to vet, 
out your opportunities, do some due diligence from a planning perspective. Can I just put you on the spot, Levi? Can these advisors just contact you and have a conversation with you around what that looks like? Absolutely. It, it makes all the sense in the world to give a second opinion. And, and there's no downside. We're fiduciaries here and you owe it to your clients and to your team as well. If you don't have succession plan in place and all that to meet with a firm like CFO for Life and other firms and figure out what is the right fit for your legacy to continue and everyone to you know, have an opportunity to succeed. So uh, I, I would welcome that, would, would love to uh, invest the time with any advisors that want to understand our process, any, any further details on how we do things and just share best practices. Uh, we're all in this together. When we get together and we share, you typically, everyone wins because we're going to learn something. And, and man, we, we may get a new idea from other advisors on how we can continually improve what we're doing. So I would definitely welcome that and look forward to that discussion. Okay, fantastic. And even furthermore, if somebody is not really thinking about getting out of the business or exiting, retiring, riding into the sunset, but they want to reduce some friction and add deeper fulfillment and productivity, then the other option is that they can have a conversation with you about drafting in behind your process, adopting the CFO for life way, the plan for life way, and all the operational aspects that can address some gaps. And, and that can come in two forms, right? Either they can outsource to you and adopt some of your models, or they can go all in and then just draft in behind your process. So it can be an ease in getting out of an outsourcing, or they can just draft in. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's just when we go through the fit process with them and kind of understand where they're at and what the timing looks like, then we just transition to what's going to help them. Yeah. So at a minimum, be sure to connect with Levi on LinkedIn because uh, you're active there and we exchange there as well. If you feel like having a conversation where you're not on the spot, there's no expectation that anything has to happen beyond the conversation then uh, Levi is a very giving person from that perspective. And again, to your point, you both might learn a couple of things. And I know you're in a state of euphoria right now because, and I, I look at you, you are the youngest looking granddad on planet earth. I'm convinced, but how does that feel? Man, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I feel like the most blessed cat on the planet. You know, I guess whenever you, Become a daddy at 20, you get the great blessing of sometimes getting to be a, a granddaddy at 49. So my first granddaughter, Aspen Rose, uh, was born on December 19th, and it was the greatest Christmas gift for our family. And, and you know, my I've had four children, and to just watch my son become a dad and watch my other three children just love and embrace on this new blessing is is pretty magical. So I'm uh, I'm beyond excited and I'm sure you can tell. Yeah, I absolutely can. Well, everybody, there's an introduction to Levi McMillan and CFO for Life uh, and his great team. We're only scratching the surface. I know we're going to have conversations in the future. You can get to know this team uh, a little bit better, but if you feel compelled just to 
understand where this is all going and where the untapped opportunities uh, might lie for you, I encourage you to reach out to Levi and have that initial chat. But uh, Levi, I know you're a busy guy. Thanks a lot for your time. And I do hope to be able to cross paths with you in the big D and uh, hit the golf course. All right. Have a great week, Duncan. You as well. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more.